0: living Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Of water wash Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 24. And We're also coming to the end of Luke, so we got today and next Sunday to finish up uh, the book. We're looking at verses 13 to 35 today and uh, talking about conversations. You know what I know for sure today? Know this absolutely 110%? Jesus is still alive. He is still alive. You know, last Sunday we had Easter and it was a great day. It was great Sunday for us here at the church. It was so good to have everybody together and, and to proclaim the tomb is empty. But it's also good to remember that um, the tomb is still empty today. And Jesus is still alive. Now, because the empty tomb wasn't the end of something. It was the beginning of something. It was the beginning of... A journey with Jesus that so many people take when they trust Him and they start following Him in their lives. There's a relationship with Him to develop. And there's people to invite to come along on that journey with us. And so, how do we do all that? Well, you know, surprisingly, a big way uh, that we participate in all that is through conversations. With the advent of smartphones and the power of social media to pull us into our own little worlds, the art of conversation is dying. It is dying. You know, if you think about it, communicating over text is a lot easier than having a face-to-face conversation with somebody. Um, You know, not, not just because it's, you know... Hard to sit down and try to navigate a conversation, but also we're busy, we're moving, so you know, just throw a text out there. You know, in Shane, I send emails to him, and he's like, "Hey, I'm a texter." <laughs> so, you know, you go to dinner, you see couples out at dinner together, and they got their nose in their phones, no conversation going on. Um, so, those are my little, you know, things of evidence to tell you. But here, Sherry Turkle, here's somebody who's smart professor at MIT, and she authored a book called Alone Together. That's that's an amazing title. I wish I could title messages like that, Alone Together, why we expect more from technology and less from each other. So she spent the last 15 years studying how our plugged-in lives have changed who we are. She claims that all of these technological devices have produced a world in which we're always communicating but never really having real conversations. This is what she writes. We're tempted to think that our little sips of online connection add up to a big gulp of real conversation, but they don't. Email, Twitter, Facebook, all of these have their places, but no matter how valuable they are, they are no substitute for conversation. Connecting in SIPs may work for gathering bits of information or for saying, I'm thinking about you, but connecting in SIPs doesn't work as well when it comes to understanding and knowing one another. When was the last time you had a really good conversation? As we press on here in Luke 24, Easter Sunday is still happening. These verses is still on Easter. And there happens to be some really good conversations going on in these verses to listen in on. So if you want to connect with people, if you want to have conversations that transform who you are, if you want to have conversations that are saturated with purpose, listen up to what's going on. and they stood still looking sad then one of them named clopas answered him are you the only visitor to jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days and he said to them what things and they said to him concerning jesus of nazareth a man who was a prophet mighty indeed in deed and word before god and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered up him up to be condemned to death and crucified him but we had hoped So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them and gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what happened to they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to hear your word this morning. We realize that there are many places in the world today where people are starving to hear it, but they do they cannot. And so here we are um, in a blessed place of freedom and A place that uh, we can come without fear and we can hear these words of life. Uh, A description of what life is like with a risen Savior. And so we pray today, God, as we soak our hearts in this, that you would uh, plant it in there in our hearts, and that you would bear fruit from these conversations that we're looking at today, Lord. I do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the verses, they get going here and they they get us into this first conversation that, that is happening on the road. If we want to have good conversations with people, we need to have conversations that connect Connect with the lives of people. So it's still Easter Sunday, and these two people there are had been with the disciples. Um, they are on their way to Emmaus. That's a town west of Jerusalem, about seven miles. So the journey is about seven miles that they're on. In verse 15, Jesus joins them. He joins them on the road, but they don't recognize who He is. Now, nobody really knows why they don't recognize Him. It's kind of a common occurrence that, you know, people... Um, people who knew Jesus before the cross didn't recognize him after the grave at initially. So we don't really know why. Maybe it was their unbelief of, about a resurrection. Uh, maybe it was God disguising Jesus to their eyes for, for some reason. We don't know, really know for sure. But, but we know this. They don't know him. They don't recognize him. So Jesus shows us how to have a conversation that connects with people. The first thing he does is he shows some compassion. Um, he, he hears them talking. He sees that they're upset. Their dreams have been dashed. They thought Jesus was the one to redeem Israel. And so he takes an interest. He shows, he shows compassion. Clopas was the name of, of one of the two travelers. And and you know you could kind of maybe read a little irritation in what he says to Jesus. Maybe, definitely some surprise. He's like Jesus didn't know what happened in Jerusalem, and he asks, what, "What are you talking about?" And, and so you know, Clopas is like, "What do you mean? How can, are you the only one who doesn't know what happened?" Um, so it's it's very ironic, you know, what's going on there because actually Clopas is the one that really doesn't understand what happened. And he's talking to the only one who really does know. So that's like the setting there. But instead of Jesus just taking over the conversation, explaining, hey, this is really what happened, he shows some courtesy and then some curiosity. So that's two more elements of a good conversation. Jesus says, what things? Tell me what things happened. So Clopas goes on about Jesus of Nazareth. You know, the man of God who is mighty in word and deed before God and all all the people, our leaders, they they sent him up to be crucified. And it dashed our hopes for revolution. And so now it's been three days since this happened. And then some of our women, they went to the tomb this morning and they, they came back and they told us this idle tale, you know, that... These two angels showed up and told them that Jesus was alive. And some of our company, they ran to the tomb and they found it just like the women had said, um, but they didn't see the Lord. So those are, there's some good pointers in there for having a good conversation. Um, just follow along what Jesus does. He's compassionate, he's courteous, and he's curious. So we ask some sincere questions and we listen to the answers that are given. We don't take over a conversation when, you know, the information that you're getting is maybe not exactly what you know is to be true. So we're, we're learning. We're learning about another person's life. We're learning about what they know. And we're connecting to them when we do that. Now, don't worry, you'll have a chance, you know, to, to chime in because usually when you ask questions and you listen, that will, uh, other person will respond in. And kind. And so the connection will go both ways. So, compassionate, courteous, and curious. Those are three elements to have a really good conversation. Now, we can spend a lot of time talking about things that are, you know, things that don't really matter, you know, things that don't go beyond today. Um, You know, the the weather, you know, um, the NFL draft, uh, the new movie. Uh, some TV shows, food, um, you know, whatever it is. We, we talk about a lot of things that are temporal. We live in a temporal world, and that's just natural. That's part of our life. We, we do these things, so we share these things. But as Christians, we don't want to just connect with people on that level. We want to connect people to Christ. We want our conversations to go beyond this world and reach into the next, into eternity. And so, we want to be compassionate, we want to be courteous, we want to be curious, and then we want to be praying. Praying that God would open a door for us to point someone to Jesus. In his book, The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversation, John Crilly tells us a story about building relationships with five young Muslim men who were refugees from a camp in Kenya. And this is what he writes. He says, We have very different life experiences and faith stories. I was raised in an Irish Catholic middle class family of four outside of Chicago. They were Muslims raised in Kenyan refugee camps fleeing tribal violence in their homeland. They boarded a plane in t-shirts and flip flops and arrived in a new country in the dead of winter. Carrying everything they owned in a bag. We had hardly anything in common. But because of God, our lives have been divinely woven together as our God of love pursues a relationship with these five young men. As we were driving along, one of the boys mentioned something about prayer. And so following a whisper from God and stirred, a stirred curiosity, I turned down the radio and I asked them, How does a Muslim pray? Well, that instantly changed the dynamic of ...of our relationships. I wasn't the, only these young men's mentor and caretaker and adult friend in a position above them. I was also a person who was interested in learning from them. And so they were empowered. Empowered to guide the conversation. They were in control of the discussion sharing as much as they wanted. They began telling me about the five salats of prayer that a Muslim does each day. Each one of them chiming in with what they wanted to share... And I was fascinated. I asked follow-up questions. I clarified what they were telling me. I was, it, what they were telling me was so foreign to me. And the discussion was rich. I was able to demonstrate my love for them by asking questions, hearing their story, learning about their religion, and exploring their world with them. And then an amazing thing happened. We pulled into my driveway, and one of them said, How does a Christian pray? And the door was open. And that's how it can happen. John knows the truth about Christ. He knows that God is pursuing a relationship with those five Muslim men. And he, and he knows their lives are being turned upside down. And so he asks questions. He listens to the answer. He um, shows them that he cared about them. He connected with them. And then he connected them to Christ. I guarantee when those guys got out of that vehicle, they knew about Jesus and they knew that John cared for them. That's what we want. That's the kind of conversation that we want to have. The kind that connects us to people and the kind that connects people to Christ. So be be compassionate, be courteous, be curious and Pray. Now in verses 25 to 31 it's Jesus' turn to start talking and he chimes in there after he hears Clopas' report of the current events of the last three days and they have a conversation that transforms. So as you hear Jesus' words they might sound like he could be a little irritated, you know. How can you be so foolish and slow to believe everything the prophets have been saying? So they sound maybe, you know... Jesus, come on, easy does it, buddy. But really, he's not harsh at all. He's speaking to them as one of us would speak to our children, who's telling us about the events of their day through their knowledge and their experience and what they know. He's not being harsh with them at all. He's being gentle. He's being—he's uh, not being sharp. He's being tender. It's more like, how how can you be so foolish and slow to believe? You know, all that the prophets have told you about about the Christ. Um, Do you not know the Messiah needed to suffer and die and enter his glory? And then he turns to the scriptures and he explains to them, all the way from Moses, all the way through the Old Testament, how they were talking about Jesus, how they were talking about himself. Wouldn't that be a good conversation? So the journey to Emmaus is coming to an end here in these verses. And uh, Jesus, he acts like he's going farther. And so what do these two do? They they go, no, no. I mean, they start begging him. Begging him to stick around. Look, the daylight's gone. Day's spent. You know, just stay with us. They did not want him to leave. And that's an invitation that Jesus will never turn down. He, He stayed with them. They found a place to stay. They sat down for a meal. And Jesus took some bread and broke it. Gave it to them. And that's when they... That's when it, you know, they could see, this is Jesus. And then he vanishes from their company. <laughs> so their conversation turns to the experience of what was going on. They're like, didn't our hearts burn within us when we walked along the road? And he opened the scriptures to us. And weren't we feeling the Holy Spirit kindling a fire in there? They were transformed through a conversation with Christ that was rooted in the word of God. You know, I think we often long to have a burning bush experience that Moses had. You know, where God manifests his presence and we can see with our eyes that he's right there with us. I mean, we long for that. But we want to let Clopas's interpretation of these current events leading up to Easter be a lesson for us. Because he saw with his own two eyes everything that happened to Jesus and he got it wrong. And then he's walking along the road with the glorified risen Christ and he doesn't recognize him. His eyes are failing him. And so even though we long for these burning bush experiences, we have something better available to us and that is a burning heart experience. That's what's available to us. So the Emmaus road, you know, it still happens today. You can still have a conversation with Jesus that changes who you are. And really, there's no other place that you can go to hear Jesus speak more often or more clearly than your Bible. Now, if you take your Bible and you're at Luke 24 and you move over one more page, you find the book of John. And this is how John began his letter, the first five verses. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life was brought light to everyone. That the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And then verse 14 says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was Full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's only, one and only Son. So that John's telling us that the Word was Jesus, and he has always existed, and through him the world came into being. The creation was made through Christ, through the Word. So, in a very real way, Jesus is the living Word of God. And in a very real way, we can hear Him speak to us through the written Word of God. Have you ever had a, a conversation with somebody where, you know, they did most of the talking? You know, you call somebody or you meet them at the grocery store, you go out in the parking lot and, and you know, the conversation is going on and you just can't get a word in edgewise. You know, you just after it's done, it's like... The conversation's over, and you, you just mostly listened. You know, you ever had that? Well, that is the kind of conversation you want to have when you're talking to Jesus. Where you do less talking, and you do more listening. And how do you do that? I mean, when we normally think about conversing with Jesus, we're talking about prayer. And, you know, and when we're talking about prayer, we're talking about us praying, right? But there's a listening component to it, and so, but that's really hard, isn't it? Our mind's going everywhere. So how do you do this? You get in your, in your Bible. You soak up every word that has come from the mouth of God in your Bible. So these two travelers, they're on the road with Jesus. They started off doing most of the talking. But when they finished, Jesus is helping them understand what? The Scriptures. So when the day's about over, I mean, they're hanging on every single word that Jesus is saying to them. And they didn't want him to leave. They says they urged him strongly to stay. Why? Because they're hearing something that's feeding their soul. They are receiving a fire in their hearts and they couldn't get enough of it. And we can have the exact same kinds of conversations today with Jesus. In his word. But that means we've got to invest time and attention to be able to do that. Now, the Bible is a spiritual book. It's a historical book. I believe it's factual. I believe that God has given it to us. He breathes through uh, His breath through people to to write the Scriptures for us. It's it's His Word to us to tell us how to to live with Him. And so it's authoritative. It's historical. But listen, the Bible is a spiritual book. It is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, even dividing bone and marrow. It's living and active. So, being a spiritual book, the best way to read the Bible is in a spiritual way. Listen to Henry Nouwen. This is what he wrote. We should read scripture meditatively. Not to master the word, not to criticize the word, but to be mastered by and challenged by the word. It means reading the Bible on your knees that is reverently, attentively, and with deep conviction that God is, has a unique word for you in your own situation. In short, spiritual reading is reading in which we allow the word to read and interpret us. So we're going to read the same words again and again, but our lives are changing. And so the word is a living and active thing that speaks to our lives no matter what it looks like. And it changes us. Now, when you read that, when you hear it reading the Bible on your knees, man, that sounds like something like really spiritual Christians do. But I am here to testify to you this morning that if you would give regular time to that practice, where you go up the mountain of God to meet with God alone, you come intentionally into his presence, opening up your Bible, listening and reading with your heart, Jesus will speak to you. He will. The risen Christ will meet you in His Word. He will talk to you. And when He does, you will find that you don't want to leave. That you don't have enough time to sit there. Because you want more time to just stay in conversation with Him. Now, some of you know I spent a few days here uh, seeking the Lord with fasting and prayer. And I'm telling you, I was very focused on... Uh, hearing from Christ, and so I spent lots of time in the Word I, I read first and Second Chronicles, and then I read First and Second Corinthians, and then I read Philippians, and then a lot of psalms mixed in there all all along the way. I mean, I was just just wanting to hear from from God and I want you to know it was just a very hard time because God was was pretty silent. I mean I was reading some good stuff, and it was it was feeding me, but it wasn't like, you know, his voice was speaking uh, to me. And that's what I was, was wanting to, to hear. And then when I got to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I came across a burning heart verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4-8, to it says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was in verses 7 and 8 that God encouraged me. Here I am seeking Him hard, looking for Him to be revealed in, in our life, in our family, in our church, in our business, you know, lots of places wanting to see Jesus show up there. Not physically, not a burning bush experience, but spiritually, you know what I mean? I mean I'm longing for that and the reason I'm longing for that is because I believe he gave me promises last year during a fast that he said greater things are coming you haven't seen me for a while but you're going to see me and so for this whole year I'm like seeking him like where are you at Lord I'm waiting on the Lord and here what does it say I hear this as you wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed he will sustain you to the end and I'm telling you That fast, I mean, it was a hard fast. It's hard when you're denying yourself so that you can say to God, I would rather see you have you than a hamburger. I mean, you know, think about it. We fast a lot of different things, and I think that's good for us, but fasting food is is special because God put the addiction for food in us. We wake up every morning, we're addicted. We just heard about that at Secret Church on Friday. You know, uh, I'll tell you about Secret Church later. I got home at 2 a.m. after uh, four hours from Genesis to Revelation on prayer and fasting. You missed out. (laughs) Not all of you missed out. So, I was fasting. It was hard. I was denying God. And the reason it was hard was because it didn't seem like God was seeing it didn't seem like he was paying attention. And then I get, as you wait for the Lord to be revealed, he will sustain you to the end. And I'm like, Jesus, i gotta, I got to have you sustain me. I need this promise to be true. I need this to be right here for right now. And the tears were falling down on First Corinthians chapter 1, and I just sat there and I didn't want to leave. Because he's speaking to my heart, and I knew he saw me. And I knew he was speaking to me right there. It was a burning heart experience. Now, listen, there is no reason why you cannot have that same kind of experience, burning heart experience. No reason why. If you would get into His Word and you would listen with your heart and you would seek the Lord. Now, fasting isn't necessary for this to happen, but it is very helpful. We learned on Friday night that, you know, fasting is as basic to your Christian life as. Giving and prayer. And we've largely ignored it in the church. But what fasting does is it cuts through your appetites. It shows you what you're hungry for, and you get rid of all that stuff and you say, I just want to hunger for God. And so that hunger just kind of rises to the top because you're not allowing yourself to satisfy the other appetites. And so you become more attentive to His presence in your life, to Christ's presence. And your ears are tuned more to hear his voice when you fast. Now, I'm continuing to have uh, conversations with Jesus in his word. Um, You know, the warfare has started. I'm eating again. And, you know, it's like the bear is still there. He's wanting to eat a hamburger. And so, you know, it's like, pray for me. (laughs) But I've got some assurances that this waiting I've been doing to see the Lord revealed... Is not in vain. Through that fast, Jesus, He, He confirmed, He gave me peace about this, that the prayers I've been praying for Him to show up in all these places in my life have been heard, and in fact they've been answered, and His answers are going to come in His time. In his time. Greater things are coming. And then I got this one last burning heart verse that he spoke to me from Psalm 119, verse 49 and 50. Listen to this. I mean, think about where I'm at, okay? And listen to this. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. (sighs) Burning heart stuff, people you know Jesus is alive does that make a difference to you in your daily walk in your daily life you go back to work Monday comes Jesus is alive does it make a difference do you walk with him do you talk with him Do you listen to his voice that says, You belong to me? Do you tarry there? Do you linger in his presence? All you need is a little time and mustard seed faith, an open Bible, a listening heart, and you're going to have conversations with Jesus that will change who you are. You will. Now in verses 33 to 35, we get the last conversation. Conversations that witness. I just love what these two do. After they realize they've been with the risen Christ. They drop their plans. And they turn around and they head back to their brothers and sisters to tell them what had happened. I mean, they were trying to tell Jesus, look, don't keep traveling in the dark. Yeah, day's over. It's dangerous at night. I mean, he, he leaves, what do they do? They get up, they don't wait till morning, they don't stay overnight in Emmaus, they get right up that very hour, and they head back seven miles in the dark to Jerusalem to tell their spiritual community, it is true! Jesus is alive! I love that urgency, and that sense of excitement. When you have a conversation with Christ, There's something very rich and meaningful about that, that other believers need to hear. You know how often you need to hear that Jesus is alive? Every day. Sometimes every hour. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so it's really good that somebody else hears that and they're walking by faith and they see Jesus show up and I hear about it. It's true. Jesus is alive. I need to hear it every day. I need to hear it every hour of every day. If you've never had that experience where it's a burning heart experience with another believer where you're sharing your life with God and they're sharing their life with God with you, then you're missing out. Now, over the years of my Christian walk, I made it a point to meet with Christian men on a regular basis for this very purpose. We share, share about life. We connect on the colts and, you know, home projects and different things like that. But we go to talk about our life with God. What it's like living with a risen Savior and following Him. That's what we do. Now, Pastor Randy White, you, you know him. He's, he's been here uh, off and on here over the past six months, a little bit more than usual. He's retired now. But you know, 10 years ago when we started the church, he said, hey, let's meet every every month. And so we have. We met once a month for 10 years. We have hardly ever missed. And I'm telling you, sometimes when we get together, his faith is kind of struggling or or mine is. More often than not, mine is the one that's struggling. (laughs) But you know what? Every time we get in our car, we pray together. And after that meeting, both of us walk away stronger and more full of the Spirit. Every single time. I can't tell you the number of times. That I have walked away saying, keep serving, keep seeking God. If you're not getting that, you're missing out. That's the way it's supposed to work. We're not meant to do this journey with Jesus alone. We're meant to do it together. In fact, my spiritual growth depends on your spiritual growth. And so when you're not growing spiritually, it's hampering mine. When you don't show up every Sunday, it beats me up. But when you do, burning heart stuff going on. Now our tendency, our tendency is to still live in the garden kind of mode with Adam and Eve running from God, hiding, you know, it's our tendency. Stay isolated, stay away from people, now we got the technology that we can talk and not really connect, you know, stay there. But when you stay isolated, you can just pretend when you come here and you stay stuck in sin and you stay as a sitting duck for our enemy. And you'll be ineffective and unproductive in the life of the church and in growing the kingdom of God. But if you'd be intentional about sharing your life with God, with someone else, it's altogether different. Now, we're going to I have a couple of grow groups that are going to start here in a couple of weeks. And I'll just say, that's a great place to start. If you you need to say, I don't really do this, let those groups, the, the women's study or the Philippians study, let those be a place that you go and you share. And you get fed. And you will grow. It's what your soul needs to keep following on this journey with Jesus. Let's have our worship team come back up. So I really do love what this passage speaks to us and teaches us about living life with a living Savior. And the conversations that that result. There are conversations about Christ, there's conversations with Christ, and there's conversations for Christ. So when was your last good conversation? Make the adjustments you need to make and start having them. You'll be glad you did.